Hello, Scotty. I'm now at a loss for melody, and I hadn't even thought about some words to add to my song. But hello, Scotty. I seem to have recovered and making you wonder why it took so long. I'm... I'm... What? I, I'm struggling <laughs> to understand why I'm even here. <laughs> no, in the inimitable words of Graham Lee, it's like I can bear, I can scarcely contain my <laughs> indifference. Is, I'm not sure I've got enough energy, energy to be indifferent. Uh, is whatever, mm. whatever the next state down from indifference is, is uh, where I... Uh, uh, Okay, so let's, uh, you know, you know what? I've just finished the last sip of my coffee, so that's why I have a little extra pep in my step. Um, can I get us started on a small little victory of, of integrating you've just had your first. You've just had your last sip of coffee. I'm just having my first sip of beer. So between oh, us, okay. we'll, we're going in the right direction. So uh, <laughs> why, don't you use your, why don't you use your caffeine-injected enthusiasm uh, to, uh, to try and inspire my uh, soporific uh, indifference? difference your your beer induced lethargy okay um so you know i i said that i i've, I've been using swift ui for and now i've i've done it in uh i guess uh three different places um and you know they they are all very simple and i think that they are you know well suited for what swift ui's strong strong suit is you know from everything i can tell so people like the syntax they like you know how it all comes together quickly. They love the preview stuff if if you're able to to get that worked out. The devil has always been in the in the details of making it work with with you know a UI kit based app. Um, and things changed a lot when the when the when the Swift UI hosting view controller came along because you could have your Swift UI view. You could you know put it you could turn it into a view controller, which we then add it as a child view controller, which is a very common pattern. But the devil in the details for that had to do with how would you update it because that's a common thing. Like one of the nice things about Swift UI is that with a little bit of syntactic sugar in your declarations, you can basically say that, you know, this this data source of one sort is going to change. And when it changes, you know, anything that 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 binds to it should change as well. And and you know, for anybody who's worked with 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 KVO and and bindings way way back on the Mac days, all the way through, kind of it didn't exist on iOS, and there were people. And then and bindings didn't exist, but KVO existed, and there were you know some interesting problems with it. And now we have you know publish you know uh, and. So that that kind of stuff has always been tantalizing because you you realize with just those little bits of syntactic sugar you avoid tons and tons and tons of boilerplate code for shuffling data between your 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 model and your view. Um, so I really like that. But then again, kind of how do you make it work? And in this particular case, we use a lot of sheets in our application. And one of the tricky things about sheets is that they can either be you know they're not always full screen. Oftentimes they take up just the amount of space that's needed. And that's very good because it's a temporary interaction. You're in some place, and let's say that you need to to pick something from a list. And that's, you know, to to write a list that is in a resizable sheet, you know, that's kind of, you know, something that that should be easy to do and and done all the time. And, and, And each item is probably backed by some type of entity, and you have a view model to describe some aspects of it, and, and it's a kind of a very common pattern. Um, but 
I found that things didn't quite just work for a couple of reasons. Uh, one had to do with, with sizing because, you know, in order to have a variable height sheet, you need to know what the total height for everything is. And, and with scroll views, it's kind of that becomes tricky because it depends on it, it, the answer is always depends. And then the question is, is like, well, does that mean that you have to manually figure it out or can, you know, can, can, can Apple figure it out for you? And ideally you want the latter. And so with iOS 16, you could basically set up a Swift UI uh, uh, view that's hosted in a, in a hosted view controller. And you could say, you know, lay it out using intrinsic content size, which basically means that if you were to add that as a child and add the view to some view hierarchy and you depended on knowing the intrinsic content size, it would most it would just do the work for you. And that's really helpful because you can imagine a situation where you've got a list and data is coming in asynchronously and you may start with no items and you may get one or you may get two. And if the items disappear, you kind of need it to adjust smoothly. So that, that these are our you know, becoming fairly, uh, fairly uh, uh, detailed details. Um, so anyway, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Then I got the and realized that the the reason why I hadn't been working with intrinsic context size is that as soon as you you put something inside of a a scroll view, then things don't work anymore. But sometimes you need to. So so. In this particular design, it was fine. I didn't necessarily need a scroll view because there were never going to be more items than could reasonably shown on on a full sheet. You know, just yeah, it it, it just wouldn't. Um, and then the second thing, though, had to do with updating because you know the the, the data gathering uh, for this particular canvas was happening in UIKit world, and so I was like saying, "Oh, this should be really easy because you know I." instantiate a view with with a struct containing the data I need and I just bind to it in the in the declaration so it should just work I changed the struct and it should do it and it wasn't working it wasn't working it's like what the fuck <laughs> until I, I had to go do some 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 searching on the internet Scotty and then I finally came across the right answer is like aha binding does definitely require that you have a class in you know an instance of some class which itself can can refer to a a struct and you so you can set up a view model which has a struct for its data but it must be a class and and I am willing to bet that the reason why that is is just because of some things that are happening behind the scenes that still depend on on objects and and, and probably KVO that just Apple hides it from you but anyway I was very happy to have gotten all figured out because now for these lists that I'm doing easily in Swift UI, the data updates and the the sheet will adjust itself and I can have nice tests where I'm I can't tell you why I'm doing it, but basically I just suffice to say that the items that are the 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 items represent things that are going on, processes that are going on with physical uh in the physical world where, you know, they will yeah, that's as far as I can go. But anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting because it, it was a, it it seemed like it should be very very simple and should just work immediately the first time, but it didn't quite work. And now, and now that I figured it out, I'm happy. So, Scotty, tell me, in your soporific state, did that help you get more sleepy, or did it just say, "God, I, I'm I I wish you would just keep talking so I can keep going to sleep." I have never felt so rested. Um, no, <laughs> that is this. No, this. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, I'm still overall said I've not used SwiftUI much at all. As I think we've had this conversation before, I've not used it on iOS at all. I've only used it on the Mac, where it is probably more limited. Um, well, that's not necessarily true. It, it's more limited as in it doesn't, you know, it, it, it's not as expressive as the Mac would want to be, whereas for iOS what it does tends to be sufficient, shall we say. 
But yeah, it's um, some of these things are working out. Well, why doesn't that work? Oh, wait a minute. Why should I use an observed object, or should I use a state object, or should I? Uh, and and still, I have to say, the amount I've used it, I still sometimes find myself making silly mistakes a little bit, mm. um, or wondering why something's not quite behaving. But I, I, I had one today, which is nothing to do with Swift UI, but just to do with my own stupidity. That um, we have, we in Moneywell, we have. Um, some shared code, quite a lot of shared code between the iOS app and the um, Mac app. Um, and in the iOS app, uh, you know, a little while ago when we were first working on this stuff, uh, the iOS app was a sufficient targeting a sufficient enough version of iOS that it could use Swift UI, but the Mac app was not targeting a sufficient enough. Um, uh, uh, version of um, uh, Mac OS that it could use Swift UI. Uh, in fact, it didn't even exist. So there were some, uh, not UI, but there were some objects in, um, uh, in in our code that we wanted to make observable in in iOS so that they could um, be used in Swift UI views if we developed new Swift UI views. But obviously, if, as soon as we declared them observable, they wouldn't compile in um, uh, Mac OS. So we're totally forgotten. We did all the time, we did all this sort of like um, uh, conditional compiling and also did some of our own spoofing to sort of make it that if you declared something as an observable object, you know, Mac OS didn't complain. Um, it just said, okay, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. It was never being used in macOS. It was our own spoofing of it. But, of course, you know, when we did release, we eventually released Moneywell against a version, a minimum version of macOS that we can use SwiftUI. So we did start using SwiftUI in some, in, in some uh, uh, squeeze. And I've recently done this, and I think I shared this a few weeks ago, and I'd done it, and I'd been through all this stuff, and I was having all this trouble with observable objects. Um, that it, you know, the compiler didn't like it, and it was complaining, and it was doing all this shit. And I spent, you know, a number of hours on this, and then of course I realised, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're spoofing observable object <laughs> still. <laughs> we haven't got rid of that code, mm-hmm. um, and so it's not, and so we got rid of it, uh, and everything was working, and it was all fine. Uh, but the the work. <laughs> This is where I'm just. This is just really a declaration of my stupidity. This is nothing to learn technically, <laughs> other than don't, don't, don't be like me. Um, uh, so, of course, this this feature that I was doing in SwiftUI is something that is part of a longer, uh, a longer implementation. It's not going up in, um, you know, so it's not been merged into develop uh, branch yet within our GitHub repository. And so today I've been working on a smaller feature where it just requires a new pop-up window. And I said, I'll do that in SwiftUI. And uh, then sort of uh, made an observable object to a, for a model. And the compiler wasn't going. And I was probably spent 40 minutes thinking, why isn't this working? Why isn't that working? Until I remembered, wait a minute, you dealt with this about three weeks ago, you idiot. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the code that was removing the observable object spoofing is still in develop. Your branches come off develop and you're trying to fix the same thing you spent hours trying to work out three weeks ago or four weeks ago, however long it was, and, and you're doing it again. So, you know, the, 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 um, 
I guess the, the moral of the story is have a better brain that you don't spend multiple times trying to fix the same thing that you were too stupid to realize you needed to fix in the first place. Scotty, can now that I'm thinking of it, while my brain is still engaged and working for a little bit, uh, I have another segment to the have a better brain <laughs> because I, I, I did something similarly um, uh, special. And that was, you know, while I was I, where I figured out how to get, you know, the, the, the observable stuff working properly, um, I got it working on one canvas. I said, oh, it's really easy, so I'll take the same form. So I copied some code, pasted it somewhere else, and because it it, it, it made sense. Uh, I couldn't use the exact same code, but similar enough. And then, you know, I, I get compile errors. And then in particular, Swift UI will have some, some you may have seen this, uh, uh, I can't remember the exact error code, but essentially basically saying, in trying to, we failed to be able to figure out to tell you exactly what's wrong in the compiler, <laughs> so, which is really great. Yeah. And then it basically has a link saying, if this is not working, please post the the bug, you know, just to, to swift.org and hopefully one day we'll figure it out. Um, and so, you know, basically at that point, then I have to go back to my tried and true mechanism of just like, okay, well, either go back in, in the diff or start, you know, inline kind of commenting out some code, seeing out where, where the error was. But it was very misleading because I would just basically instantiate my, my view with a, a view model and a delegate. Um, and so I couldn't figure out, was there something about the delegate not com conforming or was there something about the view model? Um, and in this particular case, it, it, it was the delegate, which is a, of a different class. You know, or, or you know, basically, you know, a different protocol, and and it, it was similar enough in its naming um, that it took me it took me quite some time to figure it out. And I was like, I was like, ah, fuck. And then I was like, okay, I'm just, I, I, I don't know what this happens to you, but like when you're in the zone, you just want to kind of get some little problem solved, and then you know, take a walk or go have lunch or whatever. But I had colleagues who were like, ah, it's starving, let's go, let's go. I was like, uh, at least I wanted to get it to compile, so I, because just mentally it would make me feel like I had not completely been defeated by my own stupidity. So I'd commented out enough code that I could compile, and then when I came back to it, I could kind of isolate it down to the one problem where I discovered yes, while copying and pasting is can can sometimes save you keystrokes it actually it may save you keystrokes but it does not keep you from having a stroke from frustration when you realize like why is it not working so now i've, I've come to the conclusion that uh, you should never copy and paste you should even if you just retype it from something that you're looking at i think that there honestly is something about the, the keystrokes kind of you know banging the idea or the implementation details into your thick skull um, so that you will make fewer mistakes I would agree with that. Anything that makes my thick skull make fewer mistakes. Oh, talking of mistakes, I think last week we were talking about, I think we just uh, made a release of shared um, budget sharing uh, across iCloud accounts. Um, and uh, that um, actually went very well, apart from just after we'd finished recording the show, uh, which was probably about, you know, uh, four or five hours after release, yeah, we started to get some uh, reports coming in of some of my transactions are not saving in Moneywell. My, you know, this type of transaction is not saving in Moneywell. Um, we were getting to get, you know, four or five people starting to say this. Um, you know, to be honest, when four or five people start saying the same thing in Moneywell, that's enough to trigger us for something. Because Moneywell, it's, yeah, we we... we uh, our user base is growing slowly. It's still very small. Um, 
but but it's equally even when it's larger it's it's not an application that people use every single day some people will use it once a week some people will use it once a month some people use it once every three whatever but it's yeah it, it's not a you know six times a day application so you don't uh people don't necessarily come across things immediately when you release them or know things like that. so if within a few hours of release you get you know four or five people saying the same thing you know it's there's something consistent going on here because that's enough to say look there's something going wrong here uh anyway yeah it turns out that um in uh releasing our lovely syncing code and doing things that are synced um we had broken budgets that didn't sync <laughs> Um, in other words, oh, no. if you if you didn't set up a budget to sync because you had no need to, or you were just yourself, um, yeah. Now uh, it's in our changing of the sync code, and we talk. We realised afterwards. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, we go through this test suite of manual testing. We tested all these things, but because we have sync involved, the budgets we test are always synced because syncing is part of our test QA test run. Um, and so we've learned now that we need to run our all our QA tests on code that is synced and code that is unsynced. Is there yeah, budgets that are unsynced as well? Fortunately, um, it didn't take very long. Once we, you know, because we just released syncing code, we asked some questions about syncing. Everybody in the support said, "No, no, no, I'm not, I'm not syncing this budget." So that immediately narrowed it down when everyone said that. Fortunately, it was like a one line of code change. Um, it was something that. It used to be true in our old, uh, you know, it used to be true of all budgets in our old way we used to sync, but now it was only true in synced budgets, but there was a guard statement assuming it was always going to be true for all types of budgets. It was meaning certain code wasn't being run. So we could take out the one line of code, run through our test suite. We got a, um, uh, we got a fix out the same day. And, uh, you know, fortunately, App Store Review doesn't take that long. And I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment uh, with Mac OS apps. And again, because of the nature of people only fire money well up, you know, every week or few days, um, because we got another release out within like 24 hours of the first one, you know, a lot, a lot of people would never even know that this bug existed, existed because they wouldn't have fired up the app in that time. But, you know, the moral of the story is, um, yeah, uh, make sure that your tests, test scenarios that you don't think should be different but might be different or identify those things. So there we go. So in other words, if you can't have a better brain, have a better test. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, we got no. We we we. But that in itself requires a better brain. Is the problem? We have a few unit tests for Moneywell. Um, say we work on an old code base here. Everything is so interlocked and interdependent that it's it's really quite hard to introduce any testable code to something because you're introducing it into code that's basically untestable. So you can make some small classes, do some small unit tests for those. Um, UI testing, even of a simple UI, is overly is very complex, whereas Moneywell has a very complex UI. So basically our testing is, okay, we're going to do a release, <laughs> do these 20 things, 30 things, 40 things, 50 things, whatever it grows to, um, to just make sure that we don't spot anything that's wrong. Uh, that doesn't mean we're going to catch everything by any means, uh, but we would then maybe do some more specific things around areas that we know have changed for the release. 
but say we were doing all of these things, 50, 60 things, whatever it might be, or probably less than actually, on, on, on a budget, and you know, the budget might have had sync turned on, whereas we need we realised we need to do it for both ones that are being synced and not, because it does occasionally create a different code path that we probably need to check. So, um, talking of App Store Review, I've got a couple of things, more things to share today, but I'll go to App Store Review. Um, I, we did another release of MoneyWell today. Um, this one is it's to fix a small inconvenient bug that we found uh, during the week and to add some more analytics because we're realizing people are dropping out of a process that they really shouldn't be dropping out of they're choosing to drop out of a process not the crack the app is crashing out well we think they're choosing um we're not quite sure why so a bunch of analytics to try and work out you know where they're dropping out and see you know we'll focus on as we said before onboarding is a big issue in money well and this is all around that sort of stuff but um i don't enjoy it but uh so this was a few little changes in there um said let's do a release let's just get them out there now um i was really happy so at 1307 today that's seven minutes past one 1 p.m. 1.07 p.m. for you Americans who don't understand 24 hour clock. Um, so at 13.07 uh, today, I submitted the app for review. Uh, at 13.13, it went into review, and at 13.16, it was approved. So, so either, that was that, that was uh, that was uh, nine minutes from submission to approval. Um, I think that must have only gone through an automated review. I can't imagine anyone doing anything else useful in that time. I, I don't doubt that. I, I mean, you know, everybody has who's ever submitted to the App Store has a love-hate <laughs> relationship with the entire process. It is kind of amazing. You know, you have to kind of keep your, your eyes on the prize of the fact that once it is all approved, you know, many aspects of it are really amazing, not the least of which is the automatic update, which allows you know, to, to get these fixes in there and to limit the blast radius of, of the <laughs> output of your stupid brain. But um, I just wonder how, I wonder what percentage of, of App Store, you know, whatever approvals are able to go through with, with a purely automated, you know, analysis. Yeah. Um, now, this is obviously the Mac App Store. Um, yeah, I'm finding when we release for iOS, we, we, we may be looking at, 24 hours to get through you know maybe the review never really takes more than about an hour maybe an hour and a half with the, the ios app but it may might take you 24 hours to go into review from submission which you know it feels like a long time compared to the nine minutes i've just said but if you think back to uh you know the early days when you could wait seven days for a review in ios i mean you know 24 hours is still pretty good compared to that um, the Mac App Store tends to be very fast. Again, as I said, the, the um, we discovered the uh, we record this show sort of four thirty in the afternoon, my time five o'clock, um, and our sort of support messages began to come in just after that show last week. Um, yeah, not because of the show. I will hasten to it. No, no, come on. Of course, it was because of the show. Um, the... Yeah. So, uh, but you know, so that's like. By the time I saw them, it was six o'clock. So we had to do some look at this, find the problem, do some fixes, uh, submit it. But we still had a we still had a, a release in the App Store by eleven p.m. that night. So the Mac App Store um, review is, in fairness, normally no more than a couple of hours. Um, so it is quite impressive there. Well, 
<laughs> what else? Sergio, can I, can I say one more thing? You, of course you can say one more yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. Um, so I upgraded on my machine to Sonoma, macOS Sonoma, um, mm-hmm. uh, a few days ago. And that meant I had to start using Xcode 15, uh, which the version I was on, beta 5, seemed pretty unstable. So um, the re- I, I upgraded my main laptop to Sonoma, uh, partly because I have two development laptops, and so I kept another one on Ventura. So at the end of the day, I've always got something I can work on if I really need to. Um and I started noticing noticing some display issues in Moneywell that it wasn't refreshing certain tables. Now, one of the issues we have in Moneywell is it uses a lot of old style NS table views where it's still using NS cell. They're not it's not a view they're not view based table views. If you've never worked on macOS or whatever, you'll have no concept of you know a non-view based table view might be, but these are old style where you had to build the selling code and all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Um and so we've we've got like deprecation warnings all over the place on this stuff. And you know, it's it's gonna be an enormous job to replace these at some point. And we're not just going to go around replacing these table views. We'll we redevelop each of those screens you know, over time as we get there. When 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 it, as we have time, but anyway. So those so, whenever we see display glitches in some of these tables, it's a, it's a bit of a heart stopping moment. That oh shit, is if this is broken and we have to redevelop this because of the 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 change in the OS, um, then yeah, we're 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 screwed. Uh, well, not screwed. We've got a lot of work we've got to do quickly. Um, and one of the reasons I went to Sonoma is to check money while I, um. But uh, it turned out, and I don't know how this exactly works out or what it is yet, um, that uh, the 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 glitch is on only on Sonoma if I build using Xcode 15, and if I continue to build using Xcode 14, then it works on Sonoma absolutely fine. Um, so there's a yeah, so it's not just <clears throat> there's something in Sonoma. There's something. It's actually something away that Xcode 15 and the SDKs it's using are building, as opposed to Sonoma itself doing something. So we're now in that situation that we're at beta six on Xcode, <clears throat> beta whatever it is on Sonoma. We're probably what uh, with macOS somewhere between eight to twelve weeks out from release somewhere late september to october i would guess and so you're in that you're in it's in that position that it's it's do you now just wait and see if this gets fixed or do you have to start working out what happens because at some point i I guess the answer is right now we can just continue to build with xcode 14 you can't run xcode 14 on sonoma so it means we'll always have to be deploying from ventura um doesn't mean it won't run on so at, at that point or do we just give this now another you know, six weeks and see if Xcode just ends up fixing this or whether it is something we have to deal with? I think currently right now my view would be because we know it works in Xcode 14 from a build from Xcode 14 on Ventura, we're quite safe probably building off that for another six months at least. So my, my inclination is to is to leave it. But uh, yeah, what would your thoughts be on that, John? 
I, well, <laughs> generally speaking, I think if there's a chance that somebody else will solve your problem for you, if you can just wait it out, I'm all for it. Um, but on the other hand, <laughs> sometimes, especially if it involves, you know, other parties who may be able to solve it for you, but within a release, you know, context that makes sense for them, it may be dangerous. So are you absolutely confident that Xcode will end up solving the problem? Future Xcode? Yeah, I don't know, because it's an interesting, but I mean, it's hard to explain. So basically, in many ways, we have all these tables, that, you know, list of transactions, yeah. and we have two styles. We have a normal view and what's called a compact view. So the normal view is a bit more spaced out. Compact view squeezes everything down to those. So, and, and the tables, they're two different tables. They render differently. They switch in and out. And so when you when you open a window, these transactions get displayed. And what's happening is when you open the window, it's just blank. But if you toggle the view style, it then all works. Uh, so it's not that the tables don't work themselves. So I can only imagine that there is, yeah, my first thought was, well, as I've said before, this is, Manuel is full of notifications and bindings. There is something that is now not getting triggered mm. or probably more likely getting triggered in a different order to what it used to. Mm-hmm. That is meaning something somewhere is not receiving a notification or a binding change that is causing it to refresh. And if you just start manually playing with the UI and doing this toggle stuff, then then those you're, you're basically now making those things happen uh, and it's doing it. Um, but when, yeah, um, but I guess that's... Uh, uh, it's going to be. I don't know because I'm only building with Xcode. I guess it's building with the latest SDK. Uh, but a lot of this stuff I thought was running. You know, a lot of this stuff is built into the OS. So you use you're using the frameworks built into the OS, not something you're deploying in your app. Which would suggest to me that even if I built with the Ventura SDK on Ventura, then deployed onto um, Sonoma, if it was something at that level that's going to be using the frameworks that ship with the OS, so you would see it anyway. So I'm not, you know, it's definitely a little bit confused. So that's partly why I'm saying let's hope the ship fixes itself because then I don't have to try and work out what the hell is even happening because anytime something to do with bindings or notifications breaks in money well, it's just like a crack open all the beers you can because you're more likely to fix it drunk <laughs> than you are sober because it doesn't make any sense. Or at least you'll fall over, crack your skull, and stop worrying about it. Something like that. Something like that. So there we are. I've made this one out now, and I'll let you know. So there was a new build of Xcode a couple of days ago, I think, now, beta 6. I haven't tried it with that yet to see um, to see what happens. Uh, so maybe I need to do that to find out. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's a, it's one of those, uh, yeah. The Xcode Xcode Beta Six seems a little bit more stable. Um, yeah, the the last version of Xcode I had crashed every time you added a new file to a project, which didn't really help. Um, so it's um, oh John John, I just thought let's let's not be yeah. I've still got the. I've still got the problem. I was just running it to see if I still oh, have the right. problem. And I do still have the problem. So there we are. Well, that that sounds like a perfect way to end the show. <laughs> I still have the problem. 
What can I say? Well, what can Scotty, I say? If, if people want to kind of yell at you on the internet and tell you to get a better brain, where might they do that? John, they can do that on, um, what's it called? Mastodon, that's the thing. Mastodon. <laughs> yes. Well, I am Scotty at developer.social. I've actually uh, put a Mastodon client, the Ivory client, onto my Mac now which means during the day I'm a little bit more engaged with it. Um, although, you know, that doesn't always, um, you know, that's not always such a good thing. But there we are. Yeah, so Scotty at uh, developer.social. And, John, if people want to say, wow, John, your your caffeine-induced animation was the highlight of my day, um, where should they do that? Well, you can tell lies on the Internet towards me. <laughs> <laughs> on Mastodon as well, where I'm Jembe at Mastodon Social. Uh, and if you want to find me on threads, I'm merely John Fox. See, you keep adding these two now. I'm, I'm going to, I can't decide whether to go to threads still. Maybe, maybe I'll have to have a look. Maybe I will have to have a look. And you're not on X now, as it's called, or whatever it's called. Well, I don't know how to refer to like, you know, send me a jeet or a zh, or an X or a zit. Or, I don't know. It's like I, I didn't delete my account, and I, I do check every I do check regularly because I do look for signal on things, and I'm finding less and less signal for, for work, you know, about reaction to things that are happening to, to the Netflix app on iOS, for example. So I find it less and less useful, and, and otherwise, if I, every time I look around, it's like, yeah, this is becoming more and more of a shit show. Not that it hasn't been that way for a while, but it's like you always keep saying, it's like, wow, they'll keep doing other weird things. So anyway, yes. Well, okay, folks, thank you for listening. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much with our Swift UI stupidity or our um, uh, Mac OS moanings. Um, but uh, at least you got to hear John sing. Take that as, take that as you will. But um, thanks for listening. And until next time. You take care to bring earplugs so you don't have to listen to me sing next time. What a good idea. 